0: There's always a lot of attention paid to rebuilding the roster and rebuilding the farm system. But what about rebuilding the management? This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Lockdown MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast where we talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. You can call me Sully, just check out my lower third. And as you can tell, I am not in the luxurious Lockdown MLB studios in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl, but I'm at Dodgers Stadium, where the Dodgers are playing the Padres. Two teams that kind of sort of illustrate a point I kind of sort of want to make today. Follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. If you follow me, I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, and make sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. So it's Mother's Day. I am at the Dodgers and Padres game, and you can't quite see, but they're they're wearing like pink hats and pink. Uh, they're doing all that weird stuff. Look at you're just hand the flower to your mom and then and, and and you know let's play the game wearing the normal uniforms. But hey, back to that. Uh, the Dodgers and the Padres are two teams that are two of the more exciting teams and have sky-high expectations. Superstars climber to each of the team, And while the Padres are not off to the best start right now. No doubt that their team full of superstars that they've acquired from other franchises are going to come together and have a competitive year. The Dodgers have the reputation of being one of those teams that gobbles up all the superstars like Pac-Man running around in maze. Heck, I'm at this game with my boys and I was pointing out all of the stars of both the Padres and the Dodgers who came from other teams. J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, they're from all over the place. And one of my sons asked me, Don't they ever have any of their own players? I guess that's a indictment of their farm system in a way. There's a real positive thing with, that's happened with both the Dodgers and the San Diego Padres as they've become some of the haves instead of the have-nots in baseball. You saw that during the offseason. You can see it here right now. Sure, it's Mother's Day, and Mother's Day is a big draw. And they're playing the Padres, that's a rivalry game. But game in and game they're out, sure. The crowds here at Dodger Stadium are huge. By the way, that's Manny Machado coming up. They're booing him because he was a Dodger that the Padres gobbled up. He was a major superstar that the Padres pushed the chips in to get. I'll get to that move in just a minute. I just want to let you know what that booing was about. With the Padres and the Dodgers, both being playoff teams last year, and every single NLCS of this, cent- of this uh, uh, decade so far, 2020, 2021, 2022, have included one of these two teams. And the Dodgers have also played in the NLCS in the last bunch of years, save for 2019. I digress. The fact of the matter is, there is an excitement about these teams. Jerseys are flying off the shelves, and there's ticket sales, the Dodgers, make fun of dodger fans showing up late and you know and leaving early heck even one of my sons asked are people still coming in yeah the 110 is hard to drive on but here's the deal no team in baseball draws better than the dodgers just in terms of the the turnstiles coming and butts in the seats i've been to a bunch of games over the last few years here there's not been a lot of games where there's a lot of empty seats meanwhile san diego when they went on their big spending spree in this offseason, guess what happened? That translated into massive ticket sales. That their the, the requests for season tickets went awesome. off the charts. They've never had interest for San Diego like this. And keep in mind, the Padres have never won the World Series, save for the made-for-TV movie in 1980, The Kid From Left Field starring Gary Coleman, and I don't count that. <laughs> so the deal is this. You have a franchise, San Diego, who for generations had the reputation of being a small market, poor us, we can't afford anything, we're so bad. To the north of San Diego is LA, to the east of San Diego is the desert, to the west of San Diego is the Pacific Ocean, and to the south of San Diego is Mexico. It's very hard to build a fan base when you're not exactly surrounded by a lot. And a lot of other teams have looked at San Diego and said, yeah, we're good. The Clippers left, the Chargers left, and the Padres had been rumored to leave for over a bunch of years, so much so they were printing out Washington cards during the 1974 season. And yet here we are. The Padres have turned over enough cushions to start bringing in stars. Has that translated into World Series appearances? No! But it wasn't that long ago that the thought wasn't World Series, but which players will be decent that will eventually trade off for garbage players or who will leave via free agency? With the exception of Tony Gwynn and Trevor Hoffman, it seemed like every San Diego star eventually skedaddled. The Dave Winfields and the Gary Sheffields and all around the world eventually found greener pastures and greener contracts. And yet now, think about some of the teams and some of the players who are signing with San Diego. Heck, Xander Bogarts left Boston. Now how can a small market team like Boston compete with a giant market like San Diego? By the way, I made that same joke a couple times in the offseason, and a couple people thought I was serious and sent me the demographics of New England versus San Diego. It's called sarcasm, pick it up. <laughs> but, Both of these organizations have come to the knowledge that actually, and again, I want you to sit down, by investing to make their product better and to put the money onto the field, they are getting interest and, again, brace yourselves, becoming more profitable and more successful. Los Angeles is going crazy for the Dodgers and people in San Diego are embracing the Padres like never before. And this hasn't been the case over recent years. Hey, I'm at Dodger's Day, my mother's day, and these are some last minute tickets. Well, guess what my wife did for these tickets? She used game time, and she took all of the worries about getting tickets for the ball game and made it simple, and being able to do right online right for your last minute tickets. Doesn't matter what you're getting it for, it could be for theater, for comedy, for sports, they take care of all of it at game time. You get exclusive flash deals on tickets and the game time guarantee means you'll get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will pay you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in this country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what you get when you arrive. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress of game time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON and it'll be for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account and redeem code LOCKEDON and it'll be for $20 off. Download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's 2023 right now. Let's rewind the clock back to 2012, just 11 years ago. This was not the case that the Padres and the Dodgers were beloved organizations with the turnstile spinning and fans just can't wait to be part of the game. Do you remember when the McCourts bought the team and they eventually ran into bankruptcy and in their crazy public divorce, they were turning the team into their own personal ATM? The Dodgers were bankrupt and even though they had a good team, they had a team with talent a team that made the postseason with Joe Torre and Clayton Kershaw in his prime. They didn't make any of the big acquisitions to put him over the top. You know what? who was available by a free agency? CeCe Sabathia, a future Hall of Famer, native California, who was dying to stay in the National League after his cameo with the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Dodgers didn't sign him. Why? Well, because the McCourts were out of money. The Dodgers probably could have won a World Series if they added CC Sabathia, if they started spending money. Instead, the team, McCourt, was driving this team into the ground and turned the Dodgers into a, a laughing stock of baseball. Meanwhile, the San Diego Padres weren't a lot better. They were playing in a brand new baseball palace, but after back-to-back division titles and several you know, quality seasons, Including a season in 2010 where they nearly made the postseason. They dismantled the team completely gutted the squad trading away stars like Adrian Gonzalez for close to nothing and some of the players They did get back from like Anthony Rizzo. They traded away again You had Dodger games where the stands were empty Fights were breaking out the Brian Stowe Uh, being beaten almost to death in the parking lot happened and the McCourts were a mess and the Padres were an afterthought and then two things happened in 2012 and this should be something that the Commissioner of Baseball should take a good long look at okay the Guggenheim group took over the Dodgers led by Stan Kasten Magic Johnson was the front man but who are we kidding it was Stan Kasten, Peter Goober and all these other people involved in it. They bought the team and they realized the team's reputation was lower than whale crap. So what happened? They instantly changed the culture of the team. They started spending money. And by 2013, they were a playoff team. They've been in the playoffs every year since then. But beyond just being in the playoffs, they brought in stars. They brought in, they've made smart moves. They've tried to raise the profile of this team. Some of our homegrown players, of course, and they spotlight the Clayton Kershaws left and right. But they bring in the bets. They bring in, you know, they'll rent the Manny Machado. They'll bring in the Freddie Freeman's of the world to make this. And the Zach Grinkies, lest we forget he was here. That was not the case of the team. They were investing in the team to make the product better. And it rise the the rising tide made all the ships rise because. The quality of this team became a draw, not just in LA but on the road. You need to have good teams, competitive teams, making an effort to be the to be the quality product of a division. And around that time, you had the uh, uh, the management of the San Diego Padres also changed, and surprise. When you saw that Peter Seidler took over the Padres in 2012, there was a change in attitude. Not everything the Padres did worked. The signing of Shields and the Upton's didn't quite pan out, but at least they were trying something. At least they were making the effort. And eventually, they put together a foundation. And while the Hosmer signing did not exactly pan out to the All-Star numbers they were hoping with them, it did kind of send a message saying, like, "Hey, maybe we're a place you'd want to be if you're a baseball player." If you're a baseball player, say, hey, what if I was a multimillionaire living in a gorgeous city like San Diego? And the Padres turned the culture of that around. Stealing Manny Machado from the Dodgers. Stealing Xander Bogarts. Or sending their farm system away to try to get Juan Soto. Have all of them worked perfectly? No, but they made it to the league championship series. For only the third time in their history. And they brought in Bob Melvin, one of the best managers in baseball, to be part of it. Essentially, the silo organization turned the culture around in San Diego. The expectations in San Diego are a lot different than they've ever been in the history of the team. When has there ever been a point where people are saying, hey, this could be a World Series contender legitimately and for several years? That's a foundation of Bogarts and Soto and Machado and all of them are going to be there for a bunch of years and Fernando Tatis Jr. are going to be there for a bunch of years in San Diego. This is not a one-and-done situation. This is not a 1997 Marlins. This is a chance to try to turn it around. And it being a city that only has baseball, no more football or basketball, this is an opportunity to make San Diego one of those baseball havens. Havens for free agents, havens for fans, and other ownerships should take note. Now I can't claim to be the biggest fan of Rob Manfred. I can't claim to be the biggest fan of any commissioner, but there is a job the commissioner could have, and that is making sure if the commissioner does indeed represent the best interests of baseball in terms of the owners in terms of their profits, which, who are we kidding, that's his job. Take a good long look at what has happened with the Dodgers, who are a laughing stock just a decade ago, and the Padres, who were an afterthought not too long ago. What happened with those ownerships? They invested in the team, they had a plan, and turnstiles are ticking, money is being made. San Diego is now a franchise associated with big-budget free agents and big-ticket superstars. Was that the case when the Sidlers took over the team in 2012? No. Was this the case where the Dodgers were a haven for free agents? No. What we can't have is the good old boy network, the kind that Bud Selig, who was an owner, by the way, in one of the most massive conflicts of interest of all time, that an owner was also the commissioner of baseball for any period of time, You saw basically his buddies being shifted around, allowed to own teams, like he was putting together a fantasy team. Reggie Jackson was on the Howard Stern Show not too long ago. I talked about how he was trying to put together a owner group that was gonna use a lot of big tech money to buy the Oakland A's back in, uh, I believe it was 2004, 2005. And Bud Selig, who was the commissioner at the time, said oh don't worry we'll do it we'll get you there we'll get you there and instead made sure the A's were sold to Lou Wolf who by a complete coincidence was a fraternity brother in college with Bud Selig. Now if you take a look at what happened to the A's from that moment, from the Lou Wolf ownership through the John Fisher ownership, the payrolls have gone down in the 18 years since that has happened. They've let the team go to disarray. The stadium's falling apart. They can't even sign the smallest of players even though they're all billionaires. And the A's are pulling a profit every year. And now the A's are a disaster. And may move to Vegas, may not. We don't know what's happening. And instead of thinking about giving the reins of the team to someone who has a goal, of making the team competitive, they got someone who gutted a once-proud organization. Owners should make sure that if a, uh, the, the commissioner should make sure if a new ownership is gonna come in, and by the way, Fisher should be forced to sell the A's. He can make his billions of dollars, but we can't have people like him running baseball anymore. We need to have people with a mindset of what happened here in Los Angeles and what happened down in San Diego. To say, hey, we are gonna try to put a good product on the field because that'll make us money, which is what they want. It'll also make the product better. If you have a bunch of good teams trying to win, guess what, that's what this is. It's an entertainment for the summer. If you have teams that are not trying but collecting the revenue sharing check, by all definition, they're not doing what they're set out to do, which is to be summer entertainment. They have to have owners who come in and say, here's our plan, here's how we're gonna do it. Here's where to invest in some of our money to make this happen, to make the whole product good. And if they don't come through on that, take the reins away from them. You don't think the commissioner can take the reins away from a team? It happened here. The McCourts were running the team to the ground, and the commissioner forced them out because it was ruining one of the great proud franchises in baseball. If they have the power to do that, then they can do that with the team ownership. Who could, who could come in to a place like the A's, they're gonna to expand to some other places. We can no longer have owners who don't have their chief interest to make the product on the field better. Even if we're just talking about profitability. Even if we're talking about making the whole game better and they all make more money. Um, we we'll take a quick pause in our management discussion. I'm here with my sons, this is, that's Aiden. And there's Mateo. They're my sons. We're here on Mother's Day. Um, now, you guys are not exactly the biggest baseball fans in the world. Am I a bigger, are you as big a baseball fan as your dad? No, M- no, no. All right, so um, I want you guys who are here mainly because you love your dad and not because of any devotion. Show, show everyone what hat you brought. Maddie. show everyone what hat you brought to the game. That's right hat. So, um, as we're sitting here, give me a couple of your thoughts of the game, and also uh, times that you've gone to the ballpark. Um, uh, the game's not. I I think the game's interesting. Uh, the thing is, uh, they it wasn't until the third inning that they started scoring, so it was kind of like the first two innings were kind of filler, basically. Which I mean, I, it's not their fault technically because you know. If, well, the other team's trying to stop him from scoring. Yeah. So I guess it was a stalemate, which I guess is interesting. In Put those words, is interesting, but not quite the same as like a stalemate of like two armies fighting. Which, Fair enough. Which would at least yeah, be something. All right. What where, is your What is your thought on on the game? Uh, it's it, it's it's fun to see uh the um the pitcher throw the ball at the ba- at the batter, and it's fun when the batter hits it. A lot of times I kind of zone out, and I when I wake up again, I kind of forget where to pay attention to, and then I remember all the fields down there. Yeah, the field, yeah, that's where you pay, try to pay attention to. Now, by the way, you are the living proof of why we need to put those nets up along the first base and the third base line, because you zone out, and if you were sitting there about thinking about, like, the latest, uh, you know, anime or trying to figure out what was wrong with Rise of Skywalker and suddenly Freddie Freeman its a line drive right off your face. That's what I'm very glad that we have that screen there. Now hey, um, back when I was trying to make you a baseball fan, uh, before I realized that that was a fruitless exercise (laughs) on my part. what are your earliest memories of going to ball games with your pop? Uh, I remember one time it was I was a wee little lad, not that big, and um, and, uh, and we went to the I don't remember what game it was. It might have been like it was somewhere in Northern California. I don't remember where. I'm, a, I'm going to boil it down to you: the Giants or the A's. Probably, uh, grandfather was there, so it might have been the Giants. Uh, and I remember the only thing I remember is kind of seeing the diamond like really small. Like a bit of a ways away, didn't really know what was happening, but I was thinking, ah, so that's what baseball looks like, you know, because I'd only seen it on TV. What about you? Um, I vaguely remember being uh, there as a little little child, um, and I think uh, it's—I think I remember being upset for some reason. Um, uh, maybe it was because you might have told me this. I was—I think I was upset that uh, someone caught the game ball or something and they didn't give it back. Oh, I tell you, no, I'll tell you what happened there. Um, No, I'll tell you why you were. I remember this memory. I took you to a minor league game in San Jose. And what happened was, is a ball came to us, a foul ball. And this never happens to me. We got a foul ball, okay? And I had it. And I gave it to you because I'm a good father. You were three years old. And you asked me where did this ball come from? And I said, it was the game ball. And you said, we have to give it back. I'm like, the hell we do. I've been waiting for a foul ball my whole damn life. And my three-year-old son is like, we got to give it back. Why? Because I'm a good father and I told you to return things that don't belong to you. And you, I mean, it's like for every other kid, it's the thrill of a lifetime that you got a damn ball. And I got the one kid, that we got to give it back. We gotta give it back! What are you kidding me? What are you absolutely kidding me? (laughs) Now there there was that one summer in uh, 2014 when we were all up in the Bay Area and I was, who was, what member of the A's was I friends with? Uh, Sean Doolittle. Yeah. Sean Doolittle and Sean was able to get his tickets often. And I brought you guys down to the clubhouse (laughs) to meet all star pitcher Sean Doolittle. Now, do you remember what you did? What? Tell tell the. audience of Locked On (laughs) MLB. What did my son do instead of being thrilled for meeting (laughs) all-star pitcher Sean Doolittle? What did this Bajakalup do? I was pretending to be a tiger and I tried finding his arm. No, you weren't trying to be a tiger. We had just seen Jurassic World. You were being a velociraptor. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, of course I'm right. Because he had just signed a multi-million dollar contract and you bit (laughs) his arm. The only good thing is you bit his right arm and he was a left-handed pitcher. If you bit his left arm, it would have said right there on on ESPN.com, all-star pitcher Sean Doolittle on the disabled list because Aiden Sullivan bit his damn arm. That's a true story. That's a true story. All right, well, look it. Are you having fun with your dad at Dodger Stadium? Yeah, of course I am. all right. Anyway, I'm here with my son. We're watching the Dodgers and the Padres, and it all just boils down to management's job is to create a good product, a good entertainment product on the field. It's there for the summer entertainment. No one's there to watch a product in development. No one's gonna to go to a movie and say, ah, oh, we're in the middle of shooting it. I'm not saying everyone's gonna win the World Series every year, but if you're not even trying to put a product on the field, what are you doing? The Padres and the Dodgers have that right idea. And if you're the commissioner, make sure whatever owner is going to come in has that same thought. So, follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us on YouTube and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. This week we got a full slate of shows. We'll be talking with uh, Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks, and we're we'll going to be going over the aftermath of the Yankees and the Rays Series. Enjoying a beautiful day out at Dodger Stadium with my sons. This is Locked On MLB. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Hey guys, what can they call your dad? Sully. That's right.